0: Me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for.
1: Sucker Tash.
0: Yes, Sucker Tash, the comedy soundcast soundcast featuring snippets from comedy. Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark. Mark.
2: Ah, can you feel it, listener? I can. I can feel it. The warm, sultry breeze of our impending succotash hiatus is gently wafting around the next bend in our food. I'm your every other weekly host, Mark Hershaw and welcome to episode 352, which I'm calling Last Clips Before Hiatus, because, well... It's our second to last episode before we take a break, but the last one in which we'll be featuring clips. I'll tell you more about what our last show before we jump the tracks is going to be like toward the end of this episode. But for now, let's share this time together as just another in the long line of Suckatash episodes where we feature clips from other comedy soundcasts across the Internet. Before I get to what I have in store for you, let's recall what Epi 351, Tyson Sainer's final solo hosting episode before the break, was like last week. His was the first episode to officially enter our 12th year of soundcasting. We started in April 2011, so Tyson gets the glory and the honor of being the first of us to break the tape on year 12 with his penultimate pre-hiatus show which featured clips from Comedy Soundcast's Holidays After Dark, What Went Wrong, and Bit Weird But Fair Enough, I Guess. Tyson wrapped up that episode with a very sincere thanks and farewell for now, and I think you'll get a great deal out of listening to that installment of the show. As for me, I'm intending to go out with this show as it was originally conceived, by featuring a collection of clips from Soundcast we've not featured before. Sure, we've occasionally dipped back into the same pool now and again to feature some faves, but our overall design and intent has been to bring you what's fresh and new at least to our ears and possibly yours. Bearing that in mind, I have clips from Literally with Rob Lowe, a new sitcom soundcast called Popcorn for Dinner, and a show from across the pond in England, a well-regarded standby there called Always Be Comedy. Since this will be our last opportunity to do so for a while, I'm going to feature an audio essay from comedian and friend of the show Dan St. Paul from his Slices blog entitled Slave to the Machines. This lovely cavalcade of clippage and features is brought to you, as always, by Henderson's Pants and their new Bottoms Up Cargo Pants, a recent introduction designed by our own announcer Bill Haywatt for that discriminating booze hound on the go. As I said toward the end of this episode, I'll let you know what's in store for the final final next week, as well as a few wrap-up thoughts from my brain and my heart as we hit our 12th year anniversary. In the meantime, however, let's hit those clips. Right here. Is there more of a consummate celebrity in the entertainment world today than Rob Lowe? He's an actor who created an indelible brand for and of himself. He's never really had any controversy around him, and he's basically a homegrown Hollywood talent who's been around since he was a kid. A few years ago, he started popping up as a guest on a number of soundcasts, and it wasn't long before he pulled the cloak off of Literally, the show he hosts every week, mostly talking to friends that he pulls out of his own cell phone. He recently talked with LeVar Burton, famous for playing Geordie LaForge on Star Trek The Next Generation, and before that, broke through as Kunta Kinte, a young slave on the Roots miniseries. And he talks about both those experiences a bit in this clip. And then, of course,
1: there's the Star Trek era. The Star
2: era. Trek thing, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, That's a- t- tell me about the visor. <laughs> I got to know about the visor because I got to say, to me, mm-hmm. The visor looked like a, uh, there's girls in the control booth. What are the things you put, you put in your hair to make your hair, it's not a barrette. Because those are the... Banana clip. Is it, what's the thing?
3: Headband. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like,
4: it t- yeah. to me, it looked like just a woman's headband they yeah. threw on you. That was, the, they, they weren't, that, was the, that was the inspiration. Was it? It was.
1: No, it was it not. It was the inspiration. No, it wasn't.
4: Okay. Uh, well come on, really ask michael okuda the man who de- who who designed it um it, it was it was inspired by a denise okuda um headband a women's uh, hair retention device
1: there you okay so i'm not crazy no
4: you're not you're not
1: See, I was I was just thought it was one of those things where they were like they've spent so much money hiring <laughs> you, your you know your your ginormous fee and and the sets, and they're like, oh Jesus Christ, we forgot to do the goddamn thing for him. <laughs> <laughs> what about this? <laughs> Throw on a headband and like, ah, this works for me. And off they
4: go. Fram oil filter. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, right. Didn't it ever drive you berserk? It, it, you know, it, 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 um. It became my nemesis.
1: I'm sure um, by the first lunch break.
4: It, it was exciting at first, and then the the real challenge of acting with, without my eyes um, sort of landed, and it was like, wow, okay. Um,
1: did you have a? I, I wish would, I'd have thought. It seemed like such a good idea in rehearsal. It did.
4: It it it. That's it. It was like I was so excited, and then the, the reality set in. <laughs> 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 and I, what the hell have I gotten myself into here? Um, because it's
1: that I, I I wore an eye patch in um, Austin Powers yeah, and that thing used to drive me bananas. Is it the depth perception
4: thing? Yes, right.
1: the depth perception and and I, it's kind of like seeing a little is worse
4: than not seeing at, at all. all. Maybe yeah. See, so did you have like you had upper peripheral vision? No, I did down- not. No. I, no, I couldn't see above my my head. I couldn't see. You couldn't see at all. I couldn't see my feet. No, no. I could see what was right in front of me, and the and the challenge was to not look for my feet, right? Um, Because you know, chief engineer had to know every inch of that ship, and uh, and you couldn't see me hesitating to to figure out where the, you know, where the ramp was, or you know, I bumped into a lot of shit in the first season.
1: That would be a good behind the scenes.
4: (laughs) It was challenging. It was challenging. Did you
1: have any? Apprehension about that kind of like Star Trek being such an iconic thing and doing a a rebirth of it, or did you know this is going to be amazing? I just didn't want to be a part of it. I just wanted to be a part of it. Of course, yeah. I
4: just wanted to be a part of it, and you know, I, I think I had, um, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of it because um, overcoming the stereotype of of Kinte you know, was was the was the job you know, that, that Dolores and I undertook um, after Roots to make sure that I had a career that, that, um, that had any sort of longevity. In order to do that, I was going to have to, you know, beat the tendency. Uh, Universal wanted to do the Life and Times of Kunta Kinte or, you know, a series based on mm-hmm. stories. And that, 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 I just figured that was going to be the, the end
1: The end before just as it's beginning. Just as it's beginning, so. Was Gene Roddenberry alive?
4: Yes. Very much so. What was he did you meet him? What was he like? Very much, very much. He was, you know, he he was that visionary. But one of the things that I learned from Gene was Gene Roddenberry,
1: obviously who created created,
4: Creator Star Trek. They called him the big bird of the galaxy.
2: That's Um, amazing. Yeah.
4: Gene Gene taught
2: me that all of our heroes are human. Rob Lowe literally makes it seem pretty much effortless to helm a soundcast like literally. I don't know if you've been watching the third and final season of Picard with Sir Patrick Stewart on the Paramount Network this season, but LeVar Burton reprises his Geordie LaForge character there. And you can find literally pretty much everywhere soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. This next entry is brand new. It's only been out for about eight or nine weeks at this point, which means its first season must be coming to a close and you can binge it. And why would you binge it? Because it's one of the first full-on soundcast situation comedies that I've heard. Popcorn for Dinner is, first of all, produced by one of my favorite production outfits in the whole world, which is Kelly and Kelly out of Vancouver, Canada. We featured other shows from them before, including This Sounds Serious and Dexter Guff. And the creators of those shows have been guests on this show. This new offering is largely written and created by comedian Maddie Kelly, no relation to Pat Kelly or Chris Kelly, who are related, but maybe it helps to have them set a show up for you if your last name is Kelly. I'm thinking of changing my last name to Kelly. It features former Nickelodeon star Ciara Bravo as the narrator and stars Maddie Kelly, Charlie Foster, Jillian Ebanks, and Ben Fawcett as four friends in their early 20s as they try to make it on their own despite the fact that none of them knows what that's supposed to look like. It's got all the tropes that make classic sitcoms identifiable, including a laugh track. Yeah, it's got a laugh track. It's meta, it's corny, it's funny, and after I listened to the first three episodes, I was pretty much hooked. I listened to the first one and went, eh, this is okay, and then you kind of get into the characters and their little adventures and... The clip I have for you is from episode six, and I picked up the very opening of the show so you can easily see the vibe, feel the vibe that's going on. They have the opening teaser scene, the setup for the episode, and you get to hear what the main characters each sound like, kind of in turn, so you get a feel for everything. Give it a listen. Popcorn for Dinner was not recorded in front
5: of a live studio audience.
0: Do any of you guys have a nickname?
5: When
6: I was in the sixth grade, everyone called me Marilyn Monroe because I was so glamorous. No, they didn't. But I wanted them to.
1: (laughs) No, I've never had one. How about you, Ellie? It took me five years to get rid of the nickname I had in high school, so I am not telling you what it was.
0: I think we should give each other nicknames.
1: Who's got one for Michael? Dry spell. (laughs) No. Virgin. (laughs) Okay, dry spell it is. You can give me one, but I don't
0: want to be mean. But I do want to be descriptive. Brown hair. It's not cool. Try again. Long brown hair. Who's next? Can mine be Peninsula? Sure. Yes.
1: Okay, Ellie. I don't want one. Come on, we'll make it the complete opposite of whatever your high school nickname was. Yeah, that's good. What's the opposite of your high school nickname, Ellie? Okay, call me... Good smelling male dog. So I'm long brown hair, Michael's dry spell,
6: Austin is peninsula, and Ellie is good smelling male dog.
0: So in high school, you were bad smelling female cat?
6: listening to popcorn for dinner a show about being young and broke not to be confused with another podcast called sweaters for bed a show about being cold and rich (laughs) it's saturday morning michael and austin are on the couch staring at their laptops laura kicks open the front door she's wearing a bandage around her head like a cartoon character with a toothache hello my friends i'm feeling so good thank you tylenol three uh, if it's cold all 3, why don't I take so
0: many of
4: them?
6: <laughs> Laura just got her wisdom teeth removed an hour ago. You guys, you have to help me. She's out of control. Ellie has agreed to take care of her, which is a terrible plan because Ellie is not the nurturing kind. She's killed every houseplant she's ever owned.
1: <laughs> she's so messed up from the anesthesia, she spat a mouthful of blood onto the floor of the subway and then said, Coney 2012, and ran away. <laughs> Oh, my God. Laura, are you okay? How did it go? I got a boogie-woogie
0: baby, and it's totally sweet. I moved my tongue in all the places where my teeth used to be.
1: You're not supposed to tongue your wounds. No, you're not supposed to tongue my wounds. Yeah, what are you, the tongue police? (laughs) I'm literally the only one taking care of her. I could really use some help here. Sorry, Ellie. Hey, Laura, why don't you lie down on the couch? I'll get your slippers. Okay. Austin, uh, can you get a couple ice packs out of the freezer?
6: Austin hasn't looked up from his laptop this whole time. He's chewing on his thumbnail with a lost look in his eyes.
1: Austin?
0: Austin? Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm distracted. I'm seeing Emma's parents today to get their blessing before I propose. What? (laughs) You're proposing to Emma? The girlfriend we just heard about? Yeah. Didn't I tell you? I could have sworn I told you guys that I was proposing. Marriage, marriage.
1: Like, for grown-ups? With the rings? And the money? <laughs> yeah. Exciting, huh?
6: That's right, folks. Austin has made the decision to get married. He's one of those people who gets married at 22. We all know them. Kind of makes sense for him, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm so floored. This is a lot to process. I mean, it's great. I've just... Never known anybody to get married so young. I got married at 19. No, you didn't. I didn't?
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Why didn't I?
1: Nobody wanted to marry me. (laughs) Well, I think it's great, Austin. And for the record, I knew it. I knew all along you were religious.
0: Not religious. I just know Emma's the one. And when you know, you know. You know?
2: (laughs) No. No. (laughs) That's a taste of popcorn for dinner. It's so new it might not be available from every Soundcast distribution point, but it's getting there. If you have trouble locating it, just slide over to our home site, SuckatashShow.com, where we have links to the home sites for the shows we feature, as well as links to the socials for most of the people involved. We'll be back with our third and final clip of this episode, plus comedian Dan St. Paul's audio essay right after our freeloading fake sponsor gets their second-to-last licks in. Hello,
0: friends. Bill Haywatt here with an exciting new offering from Henderson's Pants. You know, they finally got wise after hearing some of our old installments of Boozin' with Bill on the old Succotash Soundcast, and they reached out to ask, Nay, get down on their little knees and beg yours truly to help concoct a special pair of trousers. Introducing the Boozin' with Bill bottoms-up cargo pants. Yes, I am beyond excited to introduce you to these fantastic wonders. Just as traditional cargo pants are loaded with pockets, my bottoms-up model has much the same, but they are designed to hold a variety of fifths of your favorite aperitif top-shelf liquor, or just plain old... Well, you know, (laughs) rot-gut-hooch. Bottoms up, don't stop there. Oh, no, 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 no. Shin panels swing aside, where you can store everyone's favorite party mixers. Tonic, soda, juices, Red Bull. The choices are infinite and up to you. What's more, the seat drops open to reveal a fully functional miniature ice machine. And where are the glasses, you might ask? Well, Henderson's patented hip holsters are loaded with shot, bucket, and high boy glassware. And finally, garnishes like olives, limes, lemon twists, and cherries tuck up nice and neat in the groin trays right up next to your... <laughs> right up next to your... <laughs> right, up next to your... <laughs> right up next to your swizzle stick. Oh, who writes this? <laughs> you know, your booting with Bill Bottoms Up cargo pants come fully loaded with everything... everything... Everything y'all need to get your first trouser soiree started. And when it's time to restock, Henderson's Pants has worked out a lifetime discount at any Barry's Booze Barn located in the continental United States. Finally, anytime you wish, there can truly be a party in your pants. Originally designed for bartenders, goaltenders, and chicken tenders... Henderson's pants, boozing with Bill bottoms-up cargo pants, are available in every dive bar gin joint and speakeasy from coast to coast. That's Henderson's, pumping out pants and mixing libations since 1564. And now, back to Sagatache.
2: Thank you, Bill Haywat. What a professional. I'm I'm gonna miss you during our hiatus, Bill, but I'm sure you'll be back. I'm not sure how long Always Be Comedy has been cranking out episodes in Britain, but given their list of guests, it's been going for quite a while. Hosted by comics Jim Gill and Tim Lewis, they invite other comedians in to chat and curate their dream gig to talk about all the elements they would bring together to make a dynamite bafo show. The other acts, the lighting, the stage, the, what the showroom looks like, or maybe what particular showroom. This clip doesn't quite get to that part of the host chat with their guest, England's comedy legend Stuart Lee, which is worth strapping in for, given his experience. But instead, in our clip, Stuart waxes on a bit about some of his contemporary veteran comedians.
7: We're so inspired by yourself, Harry Hill, Al Murray, because you've all been going, you know, a lot. You know, you must I think each of you must have been going over 30 years or, you know, there oh, yeah. or thereabouts. Yeah. But the the your enthusiasm and your passion, and tell me I'm wrong, you guys seem to be as up for it as ever. You know, we we were there last night and the, the love is is there, isn't it?
5: Oh, okay. yeah. Well I mean, I think we're privileged in that we were the, the we were around when stand-up became a sort of viable thing, alternative comedy, you know. And um, we we I remember the first time I saw Newman and Badil in a theatre, they did the Cochrane Theatre of uh, Holborn, which holds about five, 600 people. And I thought, this is insane. It's out of control. I can't imagine that people would do these, this size rooms. And then of course it ended up people doing stadiums and stuff. So we saw it get to a point where you could do art center tours and whatever. But we also grew up during the time where actually just being a stand up was viable, right? You know, you could live cheap, you could do it, you get paid cash for circuit gigs, whatever. What, what's happening now is that people, you know, they need other stuff. They have to have social media presence. They have to cross platform. They need other things to make it work. Or they're doing stand-up. You see this a lot. You used to see it in the States all the time, but you're seeing it more here. You kind of feel like someone's doing stand-up for a bit to have a corn card so they can get spotted to be in a sitcom or become a personality or an influencer. Um, whereas we actually wanted to be stand-ups. And that was all. And... um I didn't do it to get to something else, you know, and I know Harry didn't either. Um, you know, uh, Al has got his drum business that he does as well, you know, but I mean, there's that, that was really it. And we were lucky that the economics of the time enabled us to think like that. Um, also, I mean, we, we also came up during the 90s when people started to write long form shows like an hour and stuff like that. And people, hadn't really done that I mean Sean Hughes really was kind of one of the first people to put together an hour that had a through line about 92 91 and then but it would be difficult to do that now because you know you'd have to live in a capital city you'd have to do gigs all the time to get that good and it's just much more expensive for people so we have got the passion and we do like trying to get better at it but we were lucky that we were we were born at a time that allowed that you know and it, it means
7: with, with the three of you, you're always coming up with. You know, you mentioned there about changing the the format of the show compared to previous. But I, I I sense that the the three of you, you're always trying to come up with new ideas. That you know, the creativity just falls off you. Harry Hill's got a new bit. Maybe maybe you aren't thankful for burning it, given he's on tour. But he's got a bit where he tells an anecdote and then sings a recap about what just what he just told you in the anecdote. <laughs> It's absolutely. I think he sings it to the Crossroads theme
5: tune. Well, you know what? You just reminded me that he's he's on. I've not been able to see this tour so far. And I'm yesterday I took a poster of him to the Framers from 1993, where he's still got hair, which I might give to him or keep. I don't know. But um, uh, I, I will go and see this tour at some point, and I'll take my kids, and I'll take my kids to see Harry Hill in the same way as I took them to see Bob Dylan, right? And I kind of think yeah. it's amazing that they are alive at the same time as this talent, you know. I think he's one of the absolute greats. And I don't think people really realize how good he is because I think, to be at the risk of sounding, I think the comedy connoisseur snobs probably think that he's this light entertainment guy from um, those those clip shows. They And if they were to see him live, they'd see he's absolutely one of the all-time greats.
2: So if you haven't caught it, give Always Be Comedy a go, available on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual Soundcast haunts. Which brings us to the end of our featured clips this week, and right up to the doorstep of comedian and friend of the show, Dan St. Paul. He's been writing these humorous essays for his Slices blog on Substack for a while now, and at one point I had him record a few, and then I added some music and sound effects to him. Well, that was impetus enough for Dan to turn to his pal Jimmy Goings and really get into producing them. Here's his latest, entitled Slave to the
3: Machines. My printer and my new computer are not talking to each other. I've tried to patch things up. I can print from my iPhone and my iPad, so I know this printer works. It's made by Hewlett Packard, and so is the computer, so what gives? You'd think an old HP printer would be open to the advances of a young, attractive PC. yoo hello. It shouldn't bother me so much, but somehow I don't feel whole unless I can print. The episode has convinced me that I am at the mercy of machines. If my TV doesn't have a lasting connection with my receiver, we don't see the giant's game. If my ignition is ignoring my engine, we can't drive to the grocery store. If my thermostat isn't on good terms with my furnace, we can't be warm on a cold night. If my router isn't online, I can't pay my bills, send an email, or read the New York Times. In order to improve these complicated relationships, I needed to have completed a psychology engineering double major. I submit that all local adult schools offer a class in basic household engineering. We could bring in the literature supplied with our machines and ask specific questions like, what the hell does this mean? How do they expect me to know that? And how do I find my show? Is it on HDMI one, two, or three? Unlike high school French and college calculus, I would pay attention. I want to know the secret life of my mechanical masters. It should be said up front. I am not Mr. Fix-It. I have a very low frustration threshold. I can sit through Sophie's choice without shedding a tear but if I'm putting together a desk from Ikea, there will come a point when I cry like a baby. I once installed a dimmer, but I put it on the wrong switch. So now I can open my garage door really fast or really slow. Lather me with veal cutlets, and throw me to a pack of ravenous hounds. I'd rather take my chances with the pooches than put new linoleum on my bathroom floor. So it is with great relief that I reveal that Cara, my wife, is Mrs. Do-It-Herself. She is the five-foot-four distaff Bob Vila, installing a new ceiling lamp in the bedroom, reviving a faded teak bench, sewing new covers for patio seat cushions, cutting a hole in the cabinet door for our new cat to have some privacy while using her litter box. The thought of any of these projects causes me to reach for a clonopin, but Kara zealously looks forward to them. This is how we've stayed married for 35 years. We compliment each other. She is adventurously brave, and I'm a chicken with five thongs. (laughs) She has, however, occasionally thrown in the towel. That's when we turn to a service on my cell phone that allows us to call in a hero to save the day, TaskRabbit. Installing a pedestal for our washing machine, drilling through stucco to install a new mailbox and numerals on the front of our house. Sealing a hairline crack on the granite in front of our kitchen sink. Moving a new patio table and chairs we purchased on Craigslist. All were done with the help of local handymen with the right tools, vehicles, and muscle mass. This is a tremendous service for an aging, wimpy spaz like me. By the way, when you download the app, make sure you spell it correctly. I mistakenly forgot the second T and typed task rabbi. And a bearded gentleman with curly sideburns showed up and tried to help me understand the Torah. I also recommend not getting too chummy with any helper. One of them discovered I was a comedian, and he asked me to appear on his podcast. And it turns out he's a whacked out conspiracy theorist. He seemed like a nice guy until I sampled his YouTube channel, Now I won't hire him because he may have mistaken me for a sympathetic, xenophobic non-vaxxer. And when it comes to electronics troubleshooting, our 30-year-old son is our best resource. He can usually suss out what's wrong with the TV in seconds. And if he's stymied, he just says, look it up on YouTube. I do, and there it is. So I finally got my printer and my new PC together. It turns out I hadn't installed the printer's driver onto my computer's hard drive. To me, it sounded like something they should do in private with soft music while I wasn't in the room. But now, they are enthralled with each other. It turns out all they needed was a Shad Chan. And if you don't know what that means, ask your local task rabbi.
2: You can find more of Dan's Slices Essays in both written and audio form over at danstpaul.substack.com. I'll spell that for you. It's d-a-n-s-t-p-a-u-l dot s-u-b-s-t-a-s-k dot c-o-m. Or you know what? Just come to succotashshow.com. There's a link waiting for you in the blog essay for this episode. That is going to do it for this final solo episode before our Succotash hiatus begins. As I teased at the top of the show, I can let you know that next week for our 12th anniversary show, Tyson Sainer and I will be joining forces to celebrate the blessed event. That's right. You get two hosts for the price of one. Joining us will be longtime friend of the show who we first met in episode 36 back in the fall of 2012, Travis Clark. We'll look back and reminisce not just about Succotash, but also about soundcasting as an industry and how far it's come since we first fired up the mics in 2011. That's next week in this very same feed, so don't miss it. As for me, Mark Hershon, I am sometimes startled to wake up and discover that this Succotash thing has been around as long as it has. I've made a lot of friends, literally around the globe, through the network of soundcasters out there. I think one of the things that we'll do as we sail into our 12th year is I may just have to stop beating the drum to call these things soundcasts instead of podcasts. We, we gave it a valiant effort. I don't think anyone would deny us that. But we'll see. Maybe I'll keep doing it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I have to thank Joe Polino, first and foremost, uh, who helped me breathe life into this concept through the auspices of Studio P, his home of the hit in Sausalito, California. And for introducing us to bill haywatt our erstwhile and often tanked booth announcer scott carvey one of dana carvey's brothers created our theme music from me sending him a jazz tune i liked and then doing his own interpretation of the concept that way we could have music free and clear for the run of the show kenny Durgis is our booth assistant who frankly doesn't do much more than complain but we got to acknowledge the little guy More than anyone connected to the show, my heartfelt and deep gratitude goes to Tyson Sainer, who went from contributing a few odd clips now and again to becoming the show's associate producer and then to full-blown host, slipping into the big chair for several years while I stepped into the background as executive producer and got to take a big breather. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank my wife, the lovely and talented Deborah Hershon. While she's never spent a moment hanging around this show, if not for her support and giving me the space to create and shave off time from our personal time together, sometimes even while on vacation and sometimes even urging me to head to Los Angeles or to shows in San Francisco so I could get interviews and such, this show certainly would not have happened. So thank you, Deb. Finally, of course, there's you, our listener. Whether this is the very first time you've filled your ears with suckatash, or if you've been with us for every one of our 352 episodes we've dropped, this has always been intended for you as a wayfinding tool to help you hack through the Soundcast wilderness to find fun new shows to listen to. And whether it was from those heady early days when we would actually show up on the front page of Apple's lead downloads, or more often bouncing along with just blips on the download radar, we know that you've been out there putting up with our audio shenanigans. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be here next week with that 12th anniversary show, and then Tyson, Bill, Joe, and I are going to take a little break, catch our collective breaths, and figure out how and when we'll return. This show maybe will be exactly like you hear it today, or we may change up the format and try some different things. Hang in there. We'll let you know what's what. In the meantime, if in the next week or so you have someone tap you on the shoulder while you're working out at the gym and they ask what you're listening to in your earbuds, won't you please pass the succotash? Good.
0: You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, with your host, Mark Mark Hershaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, and wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded Loaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at marc at Suckatash Or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suck-a-tash. suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Dirges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash goodbye.